the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans Plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated. That's where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIPIC. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Even though we enjoyed the Thanksgiving gathering over a week ago, I am still recovering. It might take me another week. I had such good intentions about dieting, and uh, but... All was lost when I sat down at the Thanksgiving feast with my family. I was overwhelmed by the sights and smells of the turkey and the stuffing and the candied yams and the stuffed potato and the, and the creamed broccoli and several other dishes that, that were <laughs> I, couldn't even, I couldn't even identify. Enjoying the food and the, and the wine and my family. All dieting resolutions disappeared. My daughter-in-law orchestrated this feast, and to top it off, my granddaughter is learning how to bake pie. So, how can you refuse a slice of pecan pie or pungent pie? Oh, no, you can't do that. So we enjoyed a long weekend, starting with Thanksgiving and ending on Sunday. 
it was a, it was a wonderful visit. And now I have to figure out uh, what's wrong with my bathroom scale. I've concluded <laughs> that it's obviously broken and I'll have to get a new scale. But seriously, Thanksgiving is a wonderful event. Things have returned to normal again. Uh, the airlines are full and the people are about. And, and now there are uh, more people around the table enjoying the company and the conversations, taking the time to explore how the kids are doing in school. Uh, what will they be doing when they graduate? Who's getting married? Who's retiring? These are the things you don't get into in a, you know, in a telephone call. And yes, there's still, we still take the time to remember all the things that we are thankful for, the family and the friends, the young and the old, and the memories that we will cherish forever. And when we were together, we remember the friends and the family that are no longer here. So you must never take for granted the people you love. And uh, we have much to be to thank God for and be thankful for each day that you have because in one moment, your entire life could change. And talking about remembering the past, we should take the time Wednesday to remember an extremely important date in our history as a nation. The attack on Pearl Harbor happened 81 years ago on Sunday, December 7th, 1941. And let's remember and pay our respects to the sailors and Marines who died there on the Arizona, the Utah, the Oklahoma, and the other ships that were sunk at Pearl Harbor. Over 2,400 servicemen died in that attack, and another 1,200 were wounded. It was the start of the World War II for us, a war there where over 11 million Americans would serve in uniform, and they would serve and fight all over the world. It was a time that demonstrated that we as a nation could overcome great obstacles, both in the past as well as in the future. So sometime Wednesday, we need to take the time to remember the past sacrifices of our service men and women and uh, major events like the Pearl Harbor and World War II give us some perspective for viewing the major events that are happening today. Basically. Uh, the events are serious, but we have never had it so good. So we take a look at our investments. This week, global equities were mixed. In the U.S., the three major stock indices were up for the week, while in the U.K., the FTSE 100 was up for the week. But in the European Union, both Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both down for the week. And in Asia, Japan's Nikkei 225 was down for the week, but in China, uh, the Shanghai Composite was down for the week, while Hong Kong's Hang Seng was up for the week. On Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed for the week at the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at 34,429.88, so it was up... uh, 0.24% 0.24% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed at 4,071.70, and that was up 1.13% for the week. 
and the NASDAQ, the 11,461.50, and that was up 2.09% uh, for the week. So this past week provided a, a, a lot of good news for the U.S. economy. Some of the major points were uh, consumers ramped up spending in October as we approached the holiday season. Consumers took advantage of their jump in income as well as a slight easing in uh, the high inflation numbers. Also, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell implied that the increase in the federal funds rate at the next uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting in December, uh, I think it's 13th and 14th, would be limited to one half a percent or 50 basis points. He was speaking at the uh, uh, speaking at the uh, Brookings Institute. Chairman Powell said, "Quote: Monetary policy affects the economy and inflation with uncertain lags, and the full effect of our rapid rapid tightening so far are yet to be felt. Thus, it makes sense to moderate the pace of our rate increases as we approach the level of restraint that will be sufficient." to bring inflation down. The time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting. So with that, the uh, district market concluded that, hey, uh, the Federal Reserve is going to back off in in its tightening program. Uh, There was also good news regarding jobs. Uh, The U.S. labor market is still tight. And that was reported uh, yesterday in the U.S. Department of Labor uh, report, job situation report for November. And the report showed that the November uh, non-farm payroll increased 263,000. That uh, met the uh, uh, consensus estimate of 200,000. And the unemployment rate was steady at... uh, uh, 3.7%, which is really not an all, all-time low, but it's really way down there. And in addition, uh, an alternate measure of the inflation used by the uh, Federal Reserve, uh, it's called the Price Indices for Personal Consumption Expenditure, showed in, uh, inflation decreasing in October relative to September. In other words, the there are generally two measures of inflation. One's the CPI number, the Consumer Price Index number, and that came out a couple of weeks ago for October. And this, this one is the uh, Personal Consumption Expenditure Index. And basically what it showed was that uh, uh, inflation remained high in October, but cooled a little. You know, the Personal Consumption uh, Expenditure Price Index uh, rose 6% in October um, uh, compared with the same month a year ago, uh, marking an easing from the 6.3% in uh, September. So stripping away volatile food and energy uh, costs, uh, core inflation was up 5% in October compared to a year ago, uh, but down from a 5.4%. Uh, peak earlier this year. So what you saw was that uh, if you compare uh, October uh, 
personal consumption expenditure index to September's. What you see is that the year-over-year numbers uh, for uh, October were 6% versus 6.2% for September and 5% in October versus 5.1% in September. So the numbers are going down. And also um, the core uh, personal consumption expenditure uh, for the month just just for October, uh, went down to uh, uh, 0.2% versus in October versus 0.5% in September. So uh, while increased consumer spending and and good uh, payroll growth are good for the economy, they make the Federal Reserve job of beating down inflation even more difficult. The Federal Reserve plan is basically we're going to increase the interest rates to slow the economy and reduce the demand such that the demand is more in equilibrium with the supply. Well, it's becoming more difficult to do that when the labor market is so tight and the uh, spending is so strong. So examining the uh, that first good news, the first item, the consumer spending, consumer spending increased the seasonally adjusted eight tenths of one percent in October from the previous month, and that's basically the strongest gain since uh, June. And uh, basically, households spent on things like uh, uh, rent and food, as well as new vehicles. Now, adjusted for inflation, uh, spending rose five tenths of a percent in October from September, and that's the biggest increase since January. Uh, But there was a cost of all this, and the personal savings rate, which is a measure of how much money uh, people have left over after spending in taxes, hit its lowest level since uh, 2005. I think it's down to uh, something like 2.5 or 2.3%. And during the COVID, it was way up there. It was something like uh, in the eight or nine percent. And we'll talk about that later in the show. And uh, uh, now, if we talk about uh, how the markets interpreted uh, Chairman Powell's speech at the Brookings Institute on Wednesday, the three major U.S. stock indices jumped up. With the uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Powell, he said that, quote, it makes sense to moderate the pace of our rate increases as we approach the level of restraint that will be sufficient to bring inflation down. And uh, the time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting. But uh, at the same Brookings uh, Institute speech, Uh, Chairman Powell also cautioned that the Federal uh, Reserve was prepared to continue raising the rates longer and higher. So uh, rather than ease ease up on its flight, on its fight against inflation, uh, Chairman Powell emphasized that the Fed would be focused on a slower but steadier uh, increase uh, interest rates increasing in the coming months. Uh, likely reaching a higher terminal 
or peak uh, rate than had been previously expected and keeping rates elevated for some time. So I think uh, Mr. Market, the investor out there, only heard what they wanted to hear. And basically what they wanted to hear was that, uh, hey, we're not going to be the last four uh, meetings have resulted in three quarters of a percent increase, but this meeting is coming up in the 13th and 14th of this month. We'll probably only have a half a percent. But the thing that the Federal Reserve has been preaching all along is that they may um, uh, they may moderate their rate increases, but they're going to stretch them out and they're going to go to higher numbers. So. Uh, at the end of this year, if they do a, a half a percent increase in the federal funds rate in the uh, January Federal Open Market Committee meeting, they'll end the year with the uh, federal funds rate at four and a half percent. And the first quarter of next year, they're probably going to add at least another one or one point something percent. So we're going to be up there in the five, five and a half, six percent, maybe even six percent, who knows, uh, before you know it. So, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the markets took the good news <laughs> and forgot the rest of it. Uh, the third item was the tight labor market, and the tight labor market, uh, which in turn supports that, that robust consumer spending, is another uh, factor making the Fed's task more difficult. When companies in the tech and the entertainment and the real estate industries have reported a wave of, of layoffs, uh, demand for workers has still outpaced the number of unemployed people looking for work in October. Yesterday, the U.S. Department of Labor published their job uh, situation report for November, and it basically showed that U.S. employers added more jobs than forecast, and wages surged by the most in nearly a year, pointing to uh, enduring inflation pressures that boost uh, chances of higher interest rates uh, from the Federal Reserve. The report showed that basically non-farm payrolls increased 263,000 in November, after a upwardly revised 284,000 gain in October. So uh, the unemployment rate held steady at 3.7, which I said before is a, a very, very low rate. And the average hourly earnings rose twice as much as forecast uh, after an upward revision to the prior month. The jobs report showed that the average Hourly earnings rose six tenths of one percent in uh, November, and that was the biggest since January. And uh, they were up five point one percent from a year earlier. So, uh, what you're seeing is that the uh, the question is the the pace of of uh, pay raises at five point one percent per year. Is basically not consistent with inflation that uh, two t- inflation goal of two tenths of one percent. So sooner or later, maybe the first and second quarter of next year, the predictions are for a recession to 
to slow the economy down more and even perhaps increase the unemployment rate to the point where uh, the raises uh, don't come in at 5.1% in the future, though. Uh, if you're going to aim for a, a inflation rate of 2%, uh, those raises, uh, workers' raises, have to be in the order of um, maybe 2% or 3% over the past 12 months. So um, it, it's, it foretells, in my mind, it foretells that that recession in the, the start of uh, next year. Uh, so the uh, later in the show, we'll talk about the uh, employment situation in detail. But uh, uh, let's talk about, as we talk about what's happening in the economy and what's happening in our investments, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty and drama in the, in the big economy right now. Um, but we as, as consumers have to get our financial plans organized to reduce the drama in our own personal world. So the place you start at is basically uh, your goals. And the, the basic goals are, depending upon where you're at in life, it might be get through school, get through college, start a career, get a job. Uh, settle down and start a family. That's a big uh, commitment. Uh, buy a house, uh, start a business, uh, retire. Uh, all those are goals that you can you can sit down with a piece of paper and uh, put that down as a goal and flesh it out in terms of when that's going to happen and what it's going to cost in terms of money. And so you can have a cost and a schedule for these goals. And then that leads to uh, saving and investing. In other words, unless, you, unless you're a trustafarian and uh, somebody is going to bankroll all of this, then uh, you're depending upon uh, your, your pay, pay stubs or uh, the, the family's income, uh, the spouse's income as to how much we can save to meet these goals. So how much for today, uh, basically to support the standard of living, to make the house payments, the car payments, the child care payments, and all the rest, how much to save uh, for the goals or and the, the goals and the other things, like uh, um, you need a car, a wedding, a home, a business, and how to invest in short-term versus long-term. How do you balance the risks and the rewards? And uh, also changes uh, in our investments and portfolios as we get closer to retirement. And while you're doing all that in your grand plan and your your big uh, uh, financial plan, you also have to protect yourself against the unknowns uh, like, hey, Things happen quickly, and you need life insurance in case you're not there to fulfill all of all the uh, liabilities you've accumulated in buying a house and starting a family and all the rest of the stuff. And also, uh, you have to protect yourself against the uh, liabilities in terms of property and casualty, in terms of the house burning down, 
or getting involved in, a, in an automobile uh, crash and things of this nature, or even the neighbors uh, uh, getting injured on your property. And then finally, you have to think about the estate planning and uh, uh, how, how are your money going to transfer to your beneficiaries and uh, uh, how maybe uh, gifting and things of this nature what is what is that going to look like? So there's a lot of things involved in the financial plan, but the place that it all starts at is what are your goals and put a schedule and a cost number down on those things and uh, uh, start to come to uh, a realistic appraisal of how you're going to get there. You know, one of the, we talk about uh, investments. One of the things we talk about is uh, like this time of year, uh, we talk about basically tax loss harvesting. You know, where tax loss harvesting is the process of writing off the losses in your investments in order to claim a tax deduction against your uh, future gains or against ordinary income. Basically, in regards to ordinary income, the IRS allows you to claim a net loss of up to $3,000 each year for single taxpayers and uh, max, max and married uh, filing jointly. And it's usually a good idea to take advantage of that. There's a, you've got a $3,000 net loss that could save you, I don't know, $700 in taxes if you're in the the usual 20, 24% marginal tax bracket at the federal level and potentially more uh, additional savings at the state level. So uh, if your losses are more than $3,000 maximum, the IRS allows you to uh, accumulate accumulate those extra losses into future tax years. So if your investments perform well next year and you do realize some uh, capital gains at that time, uh, you can use the prior uh, unused losses to over- offset those future gains. And uh, uh, basically, uh, this when I talk about tax loss harvesting, uh, it's only valuable for your taxable accounts. In other words, for the uh, after-tax accounts, where t- accounts where you paid your money, paid your taxes, uh, it's not for uh, your tax advantaged accounts, your retirement accounts for IRAs or 401ks. There's no capital gains there. Uh, these, the money that you take out of the IRAs and 401ks in the future, that money is considered to be ordinary income. So there's no capital gains there. So, and the, uh, the IRS has some uh, restrictions in place to prevent you from uh, gaming the rules on the tax loss harvesting. Uh, the most notable of these uh, caveats is the wash sale rule, and that prevents you from claiming a taxable loss when you sell something and you immediately buy it, uh, rebuy the security. And that basically holds for your spouse, too. So one of you can't be selling it and then the other buying the same thing. Uh, and uh, instead, if you want to a, uh, uh, claiming the loss, instead, if you want to report a loss on your taxes, then you and your spouse will have to avoid repurchasing 
losing security for at least 30 days. That's called the uh, wash sale rule. And if you buy the uh, security again within the 30 days, you basically forego the tax benefit. Also, the the uh, IRS insists that you offset like with what they call like with like, and that is your long-term capital losses are first off offset against long-term capital gains, while short-term losses uh, first offset uh, short-term gains. It's an important distinction because capital gains are taxed based upon how long you've owned the security. Only after you've uh, uh, summed up your results can you offset the short-term gains with the long-term uh, losses. Uh, long-term capital gains are taxed at a special tax rate uh, that depends upon your income. And uh, uh, the uh, it's generally lower that you than you would pay for your ordinary income tax. In other words, your capital gains tax, if you bought, for instance, you bought something for uh, $10,000 and sold it for $30,000, you have a uh, a uh, unrealized capital gain of $20,000. If you sell that, uh, then you have a, that unrealized turns into a realized capital gain, and you're either going to pay uh, the, you're going to pay the capital gains tax on it, which will be zero if you're making less than approximately forty thousand as a single person, or uh, and I say approximately because it changes, or approximately double that for a a uh, married filing jointly, or most people are paying fifteen percent taxes because they're in the they're in the uh, uh, the uh, forty thousand to uh, four hundred and fifty nine thousand range. So, and then if you're filing jointly, it's in the eighty three thousand to five hundred seventeen thousand dollar range. So, most people are paying the fifteen percent, uh, depending upon your income, and. Uh, that applies to assets that you've held for more than one year. So the, the short-term capital gains are taxed at your ordinary income tax, uh, which could run as high as 37%. And uh, the uh, uh, long-term capital gains rates are things that you've held for a year or greater. So uh, something to, to be considered now at the end of the year because uh, uh, the, after the end of the year, your uh, brokerage account, your brokerage or your mutual fund people will uh, determine what those capital gains are and send a notice to you as well as to the IRS. So uh, to me, those are one of some of the things that you be, should be thinking about. And uh, um, to me... Uh, the financial, your financial planning is a critical part of your life. And uh, the best thing to do is get it, uh, get a roadmap established for your goals, how you're going to do it in terms of savings, how you're going to do it in terms of investing, and stay on top of the plan. Uh, 
is this plan will last you until you're 95 years old, but you have to make modifications on it. And it's kind of a roadmap for your future. It's changeable, but it gives you a good uh, sense of security as to where you're going. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. That's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Now, give us a call. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Now, let's go to our phones. Hello, Nancy. How are you? Okay. I got a question for you. If you signed up with a company that offers a 401k plan that they uh, match, is it still mm-hmm. a good time to sign on because you do have the op- They give you the option of opting out. I think so. In other words, basically, if you take a look at your uh, 401k plans or your 403b plans, things of this nature, uh, it, it's a uh, good method uh, by which you can uh, save your money plus get a match from your employer. So the first thing you do is say, okay, can I, do I have money that I want to put away? Uh, you you uh, commit that amount of money to your 401k. The company generally uh, matches that with, uh, they'll match a certain percentage. They'll match what you put in. Maybe they'll match half of it up to a certain percentage. In other words, you know what uh, the percentage they're going to match is? Of your matches, your four hundred one k. Yeah, I mean, like they they have a certain percentage that they, um, you know, uh, have you sign up for. At the beginning, it's two percent, and then it goes up to like four or five percent match. So the other question I have for you is: now you have also a choice of either picking or letting them pick. And my boss said she lets them pick, and she says she seems, even with the downed market, she seems to have 
uh, done okay. So is it better to let them pick if they're a billion-dollar company? (laughs) (laughs) It depends upon, it's not so much the company, it depends upon the the, uh, menu that they're providing you. Uh, In in the case you're talking about, uh, a lot of times a company will say, okay, we have these uh, mutual funds available. We have uh, uh, the, uh, you can put your uh, money. We have a stock fund. We have a bond fund. We have a balance fund. Uh, we also, sub cases, you can buy company stock. Uh, there's all, there's a selection or a menu that they give you that says, hey, these are your, Places where you can put your money. So you okay, so how it's either you... stock, balance, bond, or co- the company itself. In, in some cases, it's the company itself. Yes. You know, okay. It all depends upon the company. There's no, uh, there's no general federal rule that says, "Hey, uh, uh, the idea here is that the company basically provides this opportunity." For people who want to save for retirement, it also helps those people in terms that they'll match. You no, know, it's people portions. who are retired that the inflation is killing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, hey, it's, yeah. It's pretty, the question I have. No. Go ahead. Nancy. Right. Go ahead. The question I have uh, uh, for uh, you is: What uh, if they allow you to choose? What do you recommend? Mutual stock balance. Uh, basically, if they give you a choice, you know, uh, pick which one of the wheels that you want. Right, I, I would, I would recommend a, a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds. Stocks uh, and bonds. The, uh, the you generally have it'll generally be in a mutual fund, and the mutual fund will present this uh, diversified portfolio that has, let's say. Uh, stocks, large cap stocks that are in the uh, uh, standard and poor 500. Uh, maybe they'll have uh, a balanced fund there that'll have uh, uh, 50% in stocks that are in the standard poor 500. They, they also have a 50% in bonds. It may be uh, U.S. government bonds as well as corporate bonds. So and the idea to the diversification is that if one company goes down, it doesn't destroy your portfolio. It's, it's right. one of of a gr- large group of companies. Well, so, I'll, I'll wait uh, till they send me their picks, and then I'll call you back. Yeah, yeah. Wait, till you, wait till you take a look at it. Take a look at it and say uh, they should also show you what those funds have done in the past. So okay. you'll be able to, you know, even though... Uh, I'll say it, and everybody says it, you know, past performance is no indication of of future results. Uh, People do take a look at past performance, and they do talk talk to their friends, just like you're talking to your supervisor, and uh, you can give us a call and uh, get a feeling for uh, where they should invest. And uh, the most critical thing well, one of the most critical things is that they are basically giving you free money. In other words, if you put in a thousand and they match it, let's say they match half of what you're putting in, 
and you're they're they're matching you with five hundred dollars. So right. uh, that goes that's that's basically free money. And, Correct. Uh, and uh, the one nice thing about the the uh, the funds the four hundred one k's and things of this nature is that if you really really want to save big money, uh, the upper limits of how much you can stuff into those four hundred one k's I forget the exact number, but it's it's about nineteen thousand dollars a year. So if you have that kind of money want to put it into a, a tax-deferred uh, IRA or 401, and not an IRA. The IRAs are limited to about $7,000 that you can put in. But if you want to put in uh, close to $20,000, uh, that's about the only place that you can really get it in there in a tax-deferred uh, basis. But the downside of it is it's basically for retirement. So right. Once you put it in, it's not like you're going to get it. You can go, oh, give it back to me. Uh, right. The other question is, it, go ahead. Yeah. If you if you have an existing Roth IRA, can you tell them to put it in the existing Roth IRA? No, no. Uh, it, it, unless that Roth IRA is in their plan. In other words, is is this? If, for instance, if you've got a Roth IRA that you've invested in. Outside the company, outside the four hundred one k, no, you can't. Uh, you can't mix them. Okay. The the four hundred one k is administered by uh, one of your companies, and and uh, it's got this this menu of of uh, funds and, and uh, uh, stocks that it makes available to you. So okay. you can't just come in from the outside. All okay. Right? All right, thank you okay, so much Nancy. for the information. Bye now. All right, you have a you have a good day now. Thank you very much, Dave. And uh, let's go to the phones again. Hello, this just, is Jim McAlee. Just, Can I help you? Just want to wish you a nice holiday season, Christmas, and New Year. I've been listening, but I haven't called you for a long time. <laughs> oh, John, how are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm still here. And, you know, <laughs> of Did course, you have a good day? Yeah, uh, I'm hanging in there with some, you know, old age. At least I'm not in a wheelchair in a nursing home sedated. (laughs) So I I enjoy your program. You're a rock of Gibraltar. You haven't changed. And uh, you're a fan before your wife, too. And I think it's a pleasure to listen to somebody with the common sense. But these days, of course, you can, you know, change the meaning of the hedge fund. You can hedge without a new due diligence. (laughs) Forget about due diligence. Diligence is due in the first place to have due diligence. So right, right. And you have, you, it, it's you sad haven't... now. You can have an IPO with no purpose, and of course, their opening price bid will be inversely proportional to how much loss you carry forward. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't you haven't invested in any. Uh... Bitcoin or anything like that? Have you any? No, any I don't have. A, <laughs> no, I think the only thing is you can't even flip a Bitcoin. At least it's difficult. <laughs> I, I, I survive with the sense of. I have been surviving with the sense of humor since I left my village in India with no high school. Even I've been here since when I came at twenty-three to go to graduate school. So I. So you were, it's it's you sad. Were, Pardon? 
You are a good man, John. I mean, uh, you know uh, what? We, 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 there's nothing like capitalism. Unfortunately, we don't appreciate it and we don't practice it. We don't teach it. We don't teach anything in high school about, you know, a free market or anything else. But that's the well, that's that. The, the families, know. the families really have to, uh, you know, take it on themselves to teach their kids about uh, investing and things of this nature. So, but yeah, thank you very much for calling, John. Anyway, wish you the healthy, happy, all your listeners too. Take care. Thank you bye very bye. much, John. You take bye care. Bye bye. Bye bye. John used to call in the old days, and uh, uh, he was always had some wonderful uh, examples and insights and. Things of this nature, and I wish him all the all the luck in the world. And, and uh, uh, to me, uh, my 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 listeners are are, are uh, beautiful people. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. Merry Christmas, ladies. Merry Christmas, Mr. Buble. Are you ready to sing a little jingle bells? Yes. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. All the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on Bob. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, one of the things we talked about earlier in the show was the unemployment, uh, not unemployment, the empl- employment situation. You know, and they, they just re- they published the numbers yesterday. And the numbers are for November, and basically, uh, the Department of Labor puts it out, and they uh, uh, they they show that uh, the U.S. economy added two hundred and sixty-three thousand uh, new jobs in uh, November. So, uh, the also shows that the labor force uh, participation rate remained at sixty-two point one which is a fairly low number, but it's been low for quite a while now, ever since the uh, COVID, and even, even sometime before the COVID, too. And they, uh, that exceeded the 200,000 200, uh, jobs that were originally estimated. So it's stronger. It, it basically indicates that the economy is stronger than uh, people thought it was. In addition, uh, they they revised the uh, last month's uh, uh, numbers to uh, uh, move them from uh, 261,000 to 284,000. So they added 284,000 in October and 263,000 jobs in uh, November. So. All since the start of this year, they've been adding jobs at the tune of 392,000 jobs per month. That's the average. And uh, the gains in the payroll, payrolls were basically uh, broad-based, leisure and hospitality, 
and healthcare and government and manufacturing uh, showed the biggest gains. And if I take a look at the uh, the uh, gains themselves, what I'm seeing is uh, leisure and hospitality added 88,000 jobs in November. And uh, that, of that 88,000 jobs, 62,000 were in the food services and drinking places. And uh, what you're seeing is that uh, employment and leisure and hospitality is still way below uh, what it was before the pandemic hit in February of uh, 2020. So there are about uh, close to a million jobs less uh, today than there was before the COVID in leisure and hospitality. But, of course, when you see all these people you know, traveling in the hotels and and the entertainment and the uh, restaurants and stuff like this, it's picking up up fairly quickly. And uh, also in healthcare, healthcare has always been a good field for jobs. And healthcare rose 45,000 jobs in November. And of the 45,000 jobs, 23,000 were in uh, what they call ambulatory uh, healthcare services, in other words, doctors' offices, things of this nature. 11,000 were in hospitals, and uh, and 10,000 were in uh, nursing uh, home care. And uh, again, uh, uh, healthcare unemployment has increased on average of about uh, 47,000. And uh, the other ones are in uh, uh, construction. Construction employment continued to trend up in November, added 20,000 jobs. Uh, non-residential building added 8,000. And uh, uh, the uh, employment in manufacturing, manufacturing continued to increase another 14,000 jobs. And the job growth has averaged about 34,000 per month so far this year. Uh, financial activity continued to grow, and the additional 14,000 jobs in in um, the uh, financial activity, part of it, the job gains were uh, real estate and leasing uh, added 13 of the 14,000 jobs. and. Uh, Retail trade really went down in November. I don't understand that, but uh, retail trade declined by 30,000 jobs in November. And basically, the job losses were in general merchandise stores, which lost 32,000 jobs. Electronics and appliance stores lost 4,000. Furniture and home home furnishings lost 3,000. And... uh, uh, the, the the only people that seemed to have made any progress were in uh, uh, car sales and, and parts dealers, which uh, added 10,000 jobs. So uh, transportation and warehousing also slipped. Uh, transportation and warehousing uh, were down 15,000 jobs in November, and uh, they decreased uh, by... 38,000 jobs since July. And, uh, and uh, that 15,000, 13,000 of those lost jobs 
were in warehousing and storage, and uh, twelve thousand, uh, uh, and then the, the partially, and it was also partially offset by jobs in air transportation, uh, professional and business services. Uh, that changed a little bit. That added six thousand jobs, but within that, within that classification. Professional and tech services, guys like lawyers, engineers, stuff like that, they added 28,000 jobs, while the business support services, they lost 11,000 jobs. Most of the 11,000 were in temp, were, were basically in temporary services. So, uh, what you also saw was that the, the average hourly earnings uh, for all employees in the private non-farm payrolls, increased 18 cents an hour, or uh, uh, to $32.82 per hour. And that 18 cents an hour represented a six-tenths of 1% increase. And over the last, the last 12 months, the average hourly earnings has increased by 5.1%. As I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> the Federal Reserve is really conscious about the wage price spiral, and they learned that in the 70s, when suddenly if inflation hangs around long enough, uh, what you're going to end up with is everybody's going to expect raises uh, commensurate with the inflation rate. So it's going to be in the contract. Uh, it's going to be in the contracts. It's going to be everywhere. So. They've got to get its inflation under control. And basically, uh, if you're going to have, uh, if you're going to drive inflation down to 2%, um, most people think 3% would be, uh, be reasonable. But if you're going to drive it down that low, now you've got to get these raises down in the order of 2, two or 3%. They can't be sitting at, uh, Five uh, percent raises over the, uh, the last twelve months. So, uh, to me, uh, it's, what, it's indicative in my mind of uh, what's going to happen in uh, the first quarter, the first half of next year, where uh, to get the inflation down, we're going to basically start into a uh, recession, and. Uh, they're going to try to do as least damage as they can possibly do, but I think it's going to, there is going to be damage there. And uh, the nice part about it is probably that they'll get it down uh, to, to reasonable inflation to a reasonable number by the third quarter of next year. And basically, the market always anticipates, to, so the market will jump ahead. Uh, I would suspect at the end of the second half of the, uh, this year. So that's basically where we're at. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, okay. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. When we wrestle with the national problems of today, let's remember that we, the people of the United States, have successfully weathered a lot worse. One of those events was the Second World War. 
That for the United States began in December 7, 1941. It began with the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor. Well, we remember that day. Let's think about what happened that day of infamy. Here's a poem and a prayer written by an unknown sailor 70 years ago. It goes like this. The USS Arizona one day stood proud and tall. December 7, 1941, the morning she would fall. Utah and Oklahoma would suffer similar fates. Battleships that lost their lives along with their shipmates. A quiet Sunday morning, no fear was in the air. Soon skies filled with foreign planes, bringing death and despair. A lazy Sunday morning, many still in bed. 1177 sailors and marines died out in the USS Arizona. Others, like the USS Nevada, were repaired to live again, answering our nation's call to respond to Pearl's bloody stain. Four long years of devastation, both, na na both nations at war, Japan would feel the final blast for knocking at our door. Hopefully we'll never again forget this attack that came to be when sailors and marines fell silent to the sea. So let's say a prayer and a special thanks for all those who guard the sea, who watch the skies to keep us safe and help keep us free. So this week, let's remember these days. And until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Flow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc., the materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies in leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.